impressive from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Good morning. What a wonderful time we've had so far. I think it's always dangerous to let people have a wander between the worship and the preach because they, they might not come back again. But it's great to see you're back again. And thank you so much for not moving the clock forward in this room because that gives me permission now to preach for another hour on top of what I'd already anticipated. So I'm going to go by that clock if it's all right. I make it about quarter to eleven. Well done to all those who did turn their clocks forward last night. Um, not, I'll find out this evening when I get back to Leicester how many of our members forgot to do it and turned up, turned up an hour late. But greetings from Leicester. It's great to be part of a family and to be part of New Frontiers. And you might remember that at the last celebration, on that very day, the last celebration when Ray Lowe was preaching, uh, we mentioned that we had two Afghani students saved in Leicester that very morning. Well, the good news is that next week they're getting baptized. And we're really thrilled about that because they're inviting all their Afghani friends along. And they're part of an Afghanistani football team. So my reckoning, there'll be at least 11 Afghanistanis there. Completely new sphere for us. You know, um, I had to hunt down a a Bible for them in, in their language. And what a thrill that was. And it was just such a joy. And we'd just taken them through our beta course and to see them grow in their faith and their understanding has been such a joy. And um, I know that you guys are having thrilling things happening here. And I know you guys are gearing yourselves up to, in the middle of May, front edge. And I'm sure something called New Day has been mentioned to you guys a few times. I'm sure Graham hasn't let that word slip. But in the beginning of August, what a wonderful opportunity. Again, what's this the third year, is it? What a wonderful opportunity to sow seed in this city of Derby. And for us, Front Edge has been very much what has been on our prayer, is that this would be a time of reaping. That we would see salvation on that day. And I'm sure that's your prayer as well. So you guys have got such a wonderful, wonderful time coming up, haven't you? You've got the middle of May, when you've got opportunity to see salvation, to see reaping, and you've got the beginning of August, when you've got that opportunity to see seeds sown into the city of Derby. And I personally am thrilled at being able to come again to Derby and to be part of our new day in the city. And it'd be great to see as many of you guys there along as well. If you've got your Bibles... Um, I'm actually going to do a backwards sermon this morning. I'm going to turn to the... Yay, good. Um, There's two passages I wanted to look at this morning. I'm going to look at the second one first, if that makes sense. So if you could turn to Isaiah chapter 56. I think this really just came out of our time of worship this morning. And I just sensed that what I wanted to share from Isaiah chapter 56 was very much on God's heart for you guys this morning. And And I pray that this would be an encouragement for you as a church. And so I'd just like to pray before I start. Father, I just thank you that you are such a loving God. I thank you that you meet with your people. And I pray that as I share this morning, Father, that you would come and you would minister amongst us. Make your word alive to us this morning. 
Holy Spirit, come and speak words of encouragement. Come and speak words of challenge as we listen to your word this morning. Amen. Isaiah chapter 56. It's headed salvation for others in my um, Bible. I know sometimes it's headed salvation for all. And I suppose if you want to give my talk a title this morning, it is that salvation is for all. And this is what it says. Maintain justice. This is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, the man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let not any eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord and to worship him, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Sovereign Lord declares, He who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others beside those already gathered. Wow. What a promise for us this today. I will gather still others beside those already gathered. You and I have been gathered into God's kingdom. But God is not going to stop with you or with me. He is going to gather still others. And that's a promise that I know that we in Leicester, there's a bit of echo there, we in Leicester are getting um, excited about. And um, it's something that should excite us, shouldn't it? As we look forward to God gathering even more from our community. And as you look at Isaiah chapter 56, God was there revealing um, that he was accepting people. There was a revelation there, wasn't there, that God was a God who was going to accept everyone and anyone. There are two people in that chapter who are specifically mentioned, the eunuch and the foreigner. And I think it's worth reminding ourselves, isn't it, that each one of us is a foreigner when it comes to where we used to be before God met us, grabbed hold of us and made us his own. And so this passage from Isaiah chapter 56 is one that's applicable to every one of us in this room as we consider the fact that once upon a time we were foreigners, but God accepted us and brought us into his kingdom. There was a fear, wasn't there, amongst those who were foreigners, that God wouldn't accept them. And the message this morning is that God accepts you. And as we were worshipping this morning, I sensed that God wanted to lay this deep into your heart and my heart, that God accepts you the way you are. 
God is not looking for someone of a particular calibre. God accepts you the way you are. And there was a fear here amongst the foreigners that God would not accept them. They were not the chosen people. There was a covenant that God had made with his chosen people and they were not part of this. But no, God says here, hang on a minute, I promise that I will accept you. What about the eunuch? Well, a eunuch in those times um, was someone who was very much disregarded by society. They didn't have any descendants, they had no children. Eunuchs were not allowed to be priests. Eunuchs were not allowed to even enter the congregation. But God was saying here, hang on a minute. I actually have a promise for you. You might feel rejected. You might feel that you are not part of my covenant. But I actually have a message for you. And we're going to have a look at that message in a few minutes' time. There's a rather strange phrase here, isn't there? Keeping the Sabbath. What, what, do, we, what do we understand about that in, 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 in today's um, world? In the light of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, what do we understand about what that meant? Well, keeping the Sabbath is simply doing the things that please God. And what is it that pleases God more than anything else? It's to have accepted that we are in ourselves, by nature, unable to do anything. It's only through the grace of God and the salvation that he brings through Jesus. Is that right? And for, for us here, there's that wonderful reminder that you may feel, people may look at you and feel you have nothing to offer. And the truth of the matter is that within ourselves, within our own strength, you and I do have nothing to offer but we have the wonderful promise of the mercy of God and the grace of God. As, as I look around this room, I am sure that if you're anything like the church in Leicester, there are many, many wonderful testimonies of how God has grabbed hold of you and brought you into his kingdom. Not because of anything you've deserved, not because of anything you've done, but because of his love and his mercy. And the, the promise that God was giving to the eunuch who had no children was that you can have a relationship, but you have a relationship with me. I am your father. And there was that wonderful sense this morning in our, in our worship, wasn't there, of the fatherhood of God. And there's that phrase, isn't there, in Isaiah 56, that I will bring you within my temple and its walls. It will be better than any joy of having children. I'm a father, I have three kids joy beyond all measure most of the time and I've got my son sitting here so I've got to say that but God's promise to the, uh, to the childless is this the relationship that you have with me is better beyond all measure the joy of having children because as it says in Isaiah 56 I will give you let's, let's read this an everlasting name that will not be cut off. Isn't that a wonderful promise? As far as the foreigner was concerned, God's promise is that they were very much welcome. Let's put this into context. Isaiah here is speaking to a people who have come out of Babylon. But as these people came out of Babylon, along with them came many foreigners who came with them 
God's chosen people who had been in exile were now coming out. But as they came out, they didn't come on their own. There were many foreigners that joined them. And we see this phrase here, those that bind themselves to God. That was simply saying, if you are a foreigner, but you have chosen to bind yourself to me, then you do not need to fear that you haven't been accepted. Because I promise you that you have been accepted. You are welcome by me. God's assurance is that they will be welcomed. God has room for everyone. I'll say that again. God has room for everyone. Immediately those words are uttered, I think of that wonderful phrase Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. Isn't that wonderful? And the fact that Jesus was able to say to people, in my Father's house are many mansions, is that assurance that you and I are accepted, no matter where we've come from, what our background is. I don't know whether any of you were down in Catford a few weeks ago, but we had a fantastic time on how to build a multicultural church. And this phrase was banded around called gracism, as opposed to racism. And isn't that fantastic? That God is a God of grace. God is not a God who's interested in race in the sense that he distinguishes one race from the other. He, he judges one race against the other. He makes um, comments about one race against the other. No, we're going to be part of a... We are part of a multicultural church. And as we look at Isaiah chapter 56, there are three particular promises that God is giving to the foreigner. And as we seek to reach out to our friends, to our family, to our work colleagues. I want us to lay hold of these three promises. God firstly says to the foreigner, I promise to assist you as you come to me. You see those, that phrase? I will bring them to my holy mountain. I'll, see that? God says, I will bring you. I am the one that's going to grab hold of you and bring you to my holy mountain. Ray Lowe reminded us, didn't he, at the, at the um, regional celebration that none of us should be in the business of trying to make people Christians. Because it is the Holy Spirit that brings people to a clear understanding. What we should be in the business of is winning people's favour. And I, I love that phrase Ray Lowe used up in Nottingham a few weeks ago when he said, friends, we need to be in the business of winning the favour of our family, our neighbours, our work colleagues. Because as we win their favour, God will bring them into his kingdom. God will reveal to them the truth of his um, existence and what his plan. So there's firstly that promise that God gives that he will assist and he has assisted you and me to come to his holy mountain. The second is that promise, and I've already mentioned it. And it's such a wonderful promise of hope that we can share with our friends and our family. And that is that God accepts each one of us. And I don't know about you or me, but I meet so many people who just feel they are not accepted. 
And maybe you're one of those here this morning where you really do not have that assurance that you have been accepted by God. As my father used to say, warts and all. And God accepts you the way you are. And again in Isaiah 56, this phrase is used, isn't it? Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. God will accept your heart when you bring it to him. So we've got assistance, we've got acceptance, and then thirdly, we've got that wonderful, wonderful phrase of, I will give them joy in my house of prayer. God is the God who will give us comfort. God God not only assists us, he not only accepts us, but he gives us comfort as well. And I really sensed this morning there was that echoing of the joy that God has placed in many, many hearts this morning as we worship God. I was, I was asking Graham this morning and I was making the comment. It was just so wonderful to see the joy that was being expressed in people's hearts as we worship God this morning. And so, as we live out the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have that promise that we are serving a God who, who assists people, who accepts people, and who comforts people. And that's the message of hope that you and I have to share. So, what impact should that have? It should give us a passion. It should give us a passion to see God's greatness declared throughout the nations. Now, I know Graham well enough to know that that is his passion for this church. That this church should be a church that sees God's greatness declared to the nations. And as a visiting speaker, it's not my place to encourage you to go away. That's Graham's job. But as a visiting, because I'll get into trouble if I say, you guys got to all go away. But I know that if Derby is anything like Nottingham, and I know it is, you've got the nations on your doorstep. And so we can declare God's greatness to the nations. As we were singing the splendor of the king this morning, actually, it reminded of uh, the last year we did New Day in Nottingham. I don't know if any of you were there in that city centre, but we sang that song. We sang that song over the city of Nottingham. How great is our God. There were 500 teenagers there in the centre of Nottingham. And we sang at the top of our voices. How great is our God. And that's what we should be doing over the city of Derby, over the city of Leicester, over wherever it is we might be living. We want to have a passion to see God's greatness declared to the nations. Psalm 9 verse 11. But Psalm is just, the Psalms are just full of this. Psalm 47 verse 1. Um, Psalm 66 verse 8. Psalm 96 verse 7 and 10. But my favourite one is probably Psalm 96 verse 3. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous works among all the peoples. So that should be our passion, that we declare God's glory. Secondly, we have this wonderful promise, don't we? That the nations will one day worship 
the true God. Do you want to know what the reading was I wanted to do first? Go on. This was what I wanted to start with. And um, I might, if I have time, um, spend a bit of time in it. But actually, what was on my heart as I was preparing this was Revelation 7 verse 9. A verse that is probably well known to many, many of us. I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And if I've got time this morning, I might like to unpack the link between Revelation chapter 7, what we see in Revelation chapter 7, and what we see here, Isaiah um, revealing in chapter 56. But there is that promise, isn't there, as we read Revelation, that the nations will one day worship the true God. What should our third application be? There should be a prayer in our lives that God be praised among the nations. It's one thing for us to look ahead that one day that we will see the nations worshipping the true God. But our prayer is to see that today. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Is it your heart to see in 2008 God being praised among the nations? Is it my heart? I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. I want to see it now. And God has promised that he will bring that about now. I don't want to wait. It's going to be wonderful. I mean, you know, when it talks about a multitude in the Bible, I get excited when I see 500 youngsters in the middle of Nottingham. But that's going to be nothing compared to thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people worshipping God. And whenever I'm in a large crowd and I look across that crowd and I see many people worshipping God, it excites me. But my prayer is that today we would be witnessing people praising God from among the nations. And then fourthly, what is my plan? What is your plan in making this happen? Do you want to have a part in this or do you want to just leave it to others? That's the challenge, isn't it? My, pl my, my plan should be to have a part in making God's greatness known among the nations. In Psalm 18, verse 49, it says this, For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing to your name. Do you see that? There's a personal cost there, isn't there? For this, I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. And do you want to just sit there and leave it for others to do? Or do you want to actually get involved in the plan yourself? So we see that we should be um, having a passion to see God's greatness declared to the nations, a promise that the nations will one day worship the true God, a prayer that God be praised among the nations, and a plan to do our part in making God's greatness known among the nations. Now to Revelation chapter 7. 
because if we just consider the implications of that, we will consider the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And I won't go through all the readings this morning, but in fact there are four places in the book of Revelation where um, there is a real sense of a multitude, not just a large group of people, but there's a real sense there, isn't there, of this multitude representing every nation, tribe, people and language. In chapter 15 and in chapter 21 in particular. And I'll just read this last uh, passage from chapter 21. I was going to read all the other passages from Revelation, but I'd just like to read Revelation chapter 21 verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. For the, for the serious scholar, you might say, why doesn't it say peoples? Well, apparently it does say peoples, but modern day translations, for some reason, it choose to just write people. But in fact, if you do look back to the original, there is that real sense that they will be his peoples. We're not just one homogenous group of people. God sees us as peoples. He sees us in our, in our diversity, in our age, in our background. He sees all of that and he says, guys, this is beautiful. Do you know, it's so good to be in front of a church where you're not all the same. At least you don't all look the same. I mean, maybe you are all the same, I don't know. Maybe you, Graham has got you all moulded into a, a, a particular mould. I doubt it very much. But certainly, if looks are anything to go by, you guys all look pretty different. Isn't that great? We've got young here. We've got old here. It's just great, isn't it? And I think there's a beauty in that. And God sees the beauty in that. And um, so we have this wonderful picture here that they will be God's peoples and God will be with them as their God. And this vision that captures John should capture us. God is in the business of drawing a multitude of worshippers for him. Jesus himself in the Great Commission said this, didn't he? I probably don't need to read this, but I will in case you're new here this morning. But this is the Great Commission of Jesus to his disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is certainly something that's very much on our heart in Leicester. We're not, we're not there yet. We've got a long way to go. We're learning every step of the way. Having these two students come to faith from Afghanistan has been a real thrill for us as a church. Because it's in, we've learnt a lot. What I've learnt in the last two months through these two guys... You know, I could, I could preach a sermon on it. It's just fantastic. In six weeks' time, we, we're trying something that, to be perfectly honest, gives me the wobblies. I'm just absolutely petrified by it. We're, we're, we're running an alpha course in six weeks' time, but we want to try as far as possible, not to segregate, but we want to try as far as possible to 
make it appealing to the many, many Asian families we have in Leicester. Now, how it works out, ask me in three, weeks t- in three months' time. So, we are deliberately going to make sure that where we hold it, the, the food will be acceptable. We are going to try and adapt the course because as I've got to know many of um, the, the predominantly Hindus are, I'm sure it's like this in Derby as well, you have a large number of Hindus as well as Muslims. We, the, the people that God seems to have brought my way have been predominantly Hindus. And as I've got to know them, I've begun to realize that actually the way us Brits do the Alpha course, I'm not really sure it's going to help them. In fact, Nicky Gumbel's very, very uh, clear about this, that the Alpha Course starts with, who is Jesus? Well, as I talk to most of my Asian friends, actually, who is Jesus is not where they need to start. We need to engage them with an understanding about who God is. Because their, their, their concept and their understanding of God is something that we want to hear about. And we want to actually engage in conversation with them before we can actually begin to even start to present them with the gospel. Now that's just my feeling. Might be totally wrong. We might, next time we do an Alpha course, go back to Nicky Gumbel's way. But this time, we're not going to start with who is Jesus as the first talk. I might have got it wrong, but that's what we're sensing. But we're trying something new. And that, that's, that's the challenge, isn't it? To try something new. So we'd value your prayers and ideas. <laughs> Actually, when I mentioned this to the church at our, at our family meeting, I said, any ideas? It was great. I've never had more ideas come back from the church than when I threw out the gauntlet and said, guys, if you've got any ideas about how to run an alpha course, particularly reaching the Asian community, I'd like to know. And you know, that really encouraged me because I realized that within the church there was that desire to reach out and we, we have a huge, huge Hindu population, which we haven't even begun to reach out to, in the sense that we, we've got one, one gentleman in our, in our church who is um, Hindu by birth and was converted a few years ago before he came to us as a church. But we have yet to see salvation from the Hindus, but it's, it, it's a passion of ours. It's not a passion of ours that's going to overtake everything else because we want to re... You know, when the Afghanistani students came our way, we didn't say, hang on a minute, actually, we don't want you guys. We've actually got a passion for the Hindus. No. <laughs> we, you'll, be, you'll be pleased to know we accepted them with joy, <laughs> overflowing joy. What other organisation has the challenge that the church has? What other organization really has it on its heart to be open to all? I was thinking about this the other day and I can't think of a single organization that actually, at the end of the day, markets everybody, for want of a better word. We're not in the business of marketing, are we? But you know what I mean. Every commercial company you can think of has a target audience. Friends, we as Christians do not have a target audience. Friends, we as Christians reach out to all who are around us and who God brings our way. And Revelation needs to grip, grip you. I don't understand all of Revelation. Who does? It's a complicated book, isn't it? It's full of symbols. 
And just before the uh, passage that I read from Revelation chapter 7, we've got that 144,000. We've got the 12 tribes made up of 12,000. And if you go into a commentary, they'll explain to you where those 144,000 come from and how all those numbers are made up. I'm a maths teacher, in case you didn't know. So I'd love to talk to you about numbers, but actually, a lot of that is symbolic, isn't it? But we get in, our, in that book of Revelation a wonderful glimpse, don't we, of the church as it's meant to be. And my encouragement to you, as it is my encouragement to Lester, is go for it. Don't be afraid. You will make mistakes, if you're anything like us in Leicester. I'm sure you've made mistakes along the way, if you're anything like us in Leicester. But go for it. As Ray Lowe said, let's win the favour of those who live in our city. And I'm excited about New Day in August, um, up in Utoxeter. I'm dead jealous that, you got, that New Day never managed to have a part in Leicester. And, um, well, who knows, one day, one day we might be able to have something like New Day down in Leicester. But, Keep going for it. There are encouraging things happening. And um, it's great to be part of a family. It's great to be, hear stories going on. And as, as we meet as elders um, regionally, it's great to just hear stories of how God is at work in, in people's lives and reaching out. And please, please pray for us as we, as we seek in Leicester to reach out to all those who live and who work there. The 90s was once labelled the decade of complacency by the church of this nation. We are more than halfway through the next decade. In fact, I was just thinking this the other day, it's not long to 2010, is it? I mean, I used to think, blimey, 2010, that's miles away. But in fact, 2010 is only just around the corner. The one thing that the book of Revelation should stir us all to is not slumber, but to be awake. We have opportunity and the means like we've never had before to reach people. And I'd like to just finish by just reading the, I suppose you might call it the mission statement of New Frontiers. And it grips me every time I read it. This is what it says. Churches often find that the nations are right at their doorstep, with many cities of the world being host to people from across the nations. Let me just say, we ran probably our most successful... When I say successful, I mean numbers-wise. Okay? Um, Alpha course last autumn. We were targeting a certain friends and family... The people who came along, praise God, were completely different. We, had, we, we have a girl now from Vietnam who is part of our church. We have a girl now from Thailand who is part of our church. We have a girl now from China who is part of our church. All came through Alpha. One of them clearly saved before they came on Alpha. One of them 
a little bit unsure, we were able to really help them through that. And so this is what the mission statement of New Frontiers is saying. Churches often find that the nations are right at their doorsteps, with many cities of the world being host to people from across the nations. Our passion is to build churches represented, representative of the communities. But there is also a passion to fill the Great Commission to go to the nations and restore and start other churches which will also reflect New Testament church life as Dash is doing. New Frontiers is working in many nations starting new churches as well as establishing relationships with existing churches that share the same heart and values. Ephesians 4 teams are pioneering into these new situations and helping churches fulfill their calling in God. Alongside these pioneering activities, New Frontiers is also committed to helping churches serve the poor and needy. Thus, as a family of churches on a mission together, we are seeking to reach the nations of the world. That's reality. That's not some sort of pie-in-the-sky dream. That is the reality of what is happening and what we guys are part of. And isn't that encouraging? And it's... I've said this at the start, and I, I mean this again. It's so great to be part of a family. It's so great to come to another church and feel, actually, you're part of the same family. So God bless you all as you seek to serve him. Front edge, go for it. New day, go for it. And I'm sure that's not all you're doing. I'm sure there are other things you're doing as well. So whatever they are, go for it as well. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk 